Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. When the chips are down, when the chips are down, won't see me coming. Won't see By the time you turn around, your whole crew is running. I go hard. I go. I go. I go. I go Getting past, better roll up too. Polar cruising, mic point and leave them calling their shoes. Blowing with two individuals, practicing mic rituals. This rap thing's habitual, fill it in in your physical. Rock the microphone. What's going on, all you fucking savages out there? This is your host, Corey Caesar. This is Chromatic Distortion, episode 52. Pushing right along. And I'm calling you a savage because, you know, it's 2020 pandemic and you're uh, you're here. You're alive. I mean, I hope, I hope if you're listening to this, you're alive. If not, I mean, you got you got bigger problems than what I'm going to talk about today. Um, but yeah, man, we're still pushing through this. It's been like a month probably now since shit got real. Um, it's Thursday afternoon, if you're wondering, uh, for, for a timestamp, I guess, on, on when we're talking here. Uh, I think we're at, t- what, 2.2 million cases now worldwide of the Rona. Got about 141,000 uh, deaths in about 185 different countries. Now, speaking of the U.S. specifically, I think today, the last I checked, and I checked about an hour ago, um, we were at like 650,000 cases ourselves and about 30,000 deaths. Now, let's put these numbers just a little bit into perspective when we ran that first model. So, you know, we've been running these models. Like, well, how's this thing going to affect us? We put in this bullshit data at first, how we think it's going to transmit, blah, 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 right? And we run these models and then we react according to what these models tell us. And their original projections were for the U.S. alone, not the world, the U.S. alone, you would have 2.2 million deaths. And that was just taking into account, though, for the record, that was just taking into account um, very little social distancing, but no extreme lockdown measures. Um now, after they started collecting some real data, which was basically, I think, after that, um, you know, that 15, the president's 15 days of social requirement, distancing requirement, whatever, whatever Pence was holding up, like at nauseum, uh, that, that got extended for another 30 days, right? That was about 15 more days ago. So um, they ran those, so 15 days ago or whatever, they uh, they ran they put in the data we were collecting and they used like Italy's data. They were originally using that bullshit China data, even for the second model, I believe. I don't know. I don't know if they actually took, no, they might've taken the China data out. I think they took the China data out of that second one. I could be wrong. I don't fucking remember guys. Forgive me. But, um, they put our data in for sure. They put, I know that for sure they used um, Italy's data. I want to say they used some of South Korea's data. And I think Spain was just, I don't know if they use Spain's data or not. Spain was also hit hard. So they're kind of using these bullshit, like these hard hit areas for our data, which is fine, whatever. Um, but that model came back and it was saying like 130,000 to 200,000 deaths were then now the new predictions. And then it was, and it was real weird because you would think, all right, cool. So we just went from 2.2 to 100,000 basically, right? Or 200,000 even in this model as, as a max you would you would think that you know the governors would come out and they would say hey guys con- congratulations good job listen we we've done a we've your social like the um 
things we've asked you to do, you've done. Thank you. Congratulations. You've definitely slowed the spread better than we could have ever thought. You know, we thought it was going to be really bad. It's looking like it's still going to be bad, but, you know, it's not going to be nothing like we, we thought it was going to be. I mean, you're talking, what, 20 times? 20 times the amount? We're already down? And um, you would think that's what they would say. Like, congratulations, pat yourself on the back. Now, look, guys, you know, we're starting to come to this, to the peak. We're starting to, our curve starting to flatten. This is exactly what we said originally. We just want to flatten this curve. You flatten the curve congratulations. Now, can you please just kind of keep doing this for another 15 days? Let's make sure we're over this hump. Let's, let's keep the, let's keep our, our, our foot on the throat, if you will. All right. Let's not relax now. You're doing a great job. They didn't, but they didn't do that. That's what they should have done. And that gives people hope that gives people like, okay, cool. These measures I'm taking for myself, this sacrifice that I'm making is, uh, is working. It's worth, it's worth it. Maybe. You know, maybe even if in that sense, maybe it's worth it, right? But that's not what they did. They just came out and uh, and just put more more fucking draconian measures on people, which is fucking nutty. And then and then the and then the and then they um so another more days passed. You know, it's been like ten days now since that last model, and they threw out another model after new data came in, and now we're down to sixty thousand deaths projected, and that's if we still. You know, the models have been wrong this whole time. So if this model's right, we'll hit 60K, which I don't know if you guys are aware, but that is a bad flu season in the United States. 2018, we had 60,000 deaths from seasonal flu. Now, I'm not I'm not saying this is seasonal flu. Just, you know, just stop that fucking narrative. Um, but <laughs> the reality is, you know, you go from 2.2 million to 60K. I mean, you could give... You can give those fucking carnival guys a bigger margin of error. So then we hit that 60K and and then the the same thing happens. Instead of you coming out and saying, congratulations, you guys beat the model again. No, no, no. So we can, you know, no, now now you're passing more laws. Now you're not like up in Michigan, can't buy anything that's non-essential. So if you go to Walmart, think about how dumb this is. You can go to Walmart. You can walk around. You can breathe on people. You can fucking buy food. You can buy beef. I can buy, um milk but i can't go over to the other lane and buy paint like why not i'm already fucking in the store like what scientific explanation can you give me where me buying paint while i'm buying my beef is going to spread coronavirus first of all you don't have the authority you don't have the authority as a governor to do this it's completely unconstitutional. In fact, they just had the new, and I'm going to play this clip, not today, but I'm going to pull this out when I do another episode that we're going we're gonna to get into probably next week. Fucking Governor of New Jersey, bro. He was on camera yesterday being interviewed, and <laughs> when he asked, when the, the, the interviewer asked him about, um, you know, um, because the First Amendment does not allow, you can't infringe on people's gathering, right? Definitely for religious reasons. It's in the, it's the, it's part of the, it's part of freedom of speech. Um, Freedom to assemble is the very first amendment. It's like the number one amendment, right? In the Bill of Rights. The first thing they decided to write down, the most important thing they said for our country. And when he was asked, he goes, so what, what gives you the constitutional authority to, um, now this is the New Jersey governor, right? He is the president 
That's the way you should look at it. He is the president of New Jersey. He has a lot of power. He was what gives you the constitutional right to uh, tell people they can't go to church. And this dude goes, well, actually, that's above my pay grade. And actually, the Bill of Rights was the furthest thing on my mind when I when I um, put in these draconian measures. Now, he didn't say draconian. I'm adding that myself. Now, above your pay grade, it's literally your fucking pay grade, guy. Like, you're, that's, I mean, that's pretty scary to me. If you're telling me that you didn't even, you didn't even think about the constitutional authority you had when you, when you put these measures in and started arresting people for fucking showing up at church. And think about how idiotic this whole fucking scenario is, right? We're arresting people for not obeying social distancing laws for going out in public, yet we're releasing inmates from jail because it might spread coronavirus. Think about that oxy-fucking-moron. Think about how oxymoron you fucking people can be. Just step back and fucking think for half a second how dumb you sound sometimes. Um, man, dude, and, and these models... They they've been grossly incorrect on on all on all the projections. So the hospital beds needed, the ICU beds needed, the ventilators needed. I mean, we didn't even come close to these numbers. They weren't they were fucking not even close. And these models are so dangerous and stupid to be living our lives off them. And we continually do this for the economy. We do it for fucking climate control, uh, uh, climate change, and we do it for basically everything. Now it's like the new thing. It's the new science, right? It's the new science. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something, guys. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to look at these, but we have to stop referencing these things as fucking science. It's the science to listen to to make these decisions, these big decisions that affect millions of lives. It's predictive science with unknown variables. It's literally voodoo science. There's no science involved in this. The science comes after you have the data. Speaking of the the you know the effects the 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 other side of the coin, because there's always a cause and effect, guys. Everything you do has a has a reaction, right? A, uh, um, everything you put out has a has a um, reaction to it. Sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive. But unemployment, at, as of today, the new report came out: twenty-two million people, and that's just the people that filed. It's probably way higher than that, guys. And I honestly never thought. Um, that I would see no, it's sad, dude. Like it almost makes me want to, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd, I'd shed a tear right now if I wasn't on a, if I wasn't on camera. Cause I just think about how many people's lives have been ruined from this, just ruined everything they've worked for. Um, it's sad guys. You gotta, I mean, it's just sad. I honestly, like I said, I never thought I would ever see numbers like this in my lifetime. 22 million people unemployed in this country. I believe that's the most out of work. Um, Americans in the history of this country, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I didn't, I didn't fact check that one. That one you guys can fact check me on. I'm usually pretty good at fact checking that shit before uh before I get on, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, And here's some stats. Speaking of unemployment, some stats that are based on some real data, not models, but collective data over time. We've had lots of... um. So this is going back and looking at all the data from previous crashes and unemployment numbers and, and looking how it's affected other things in life. And um, that data shows that for every 1% raise in unemployment, you see about a 1% raise in suicide. So it's basically a one-for-one one variable, um, one percentage to one person, you know, a, a percentage in, in suicide deaths. And um, 
you get you get like a three percent rise. I think it's almost four. I think it's like three point eight, if I remember correctly. Um, rise in drug addiction, and that doesn't even include like fucking alcohol abuse. And you also see big um, jumps in domestic abuse throughout the country. You know, depressed dudes and 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 women too. But you know, let's be real about it, it's mostly dudes. You know, they're beating their wives right now, hitting their 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 children getting verbally abusive, physically abusive because of the stress of lives. You know, life is about nuance, guys. It's not it's not this or that. It it has like if you do this it has to be this or you can only care about this and not this. It's all about nuance. Everything in your life's about nuance. If you make your decisions with no nuance, like your life decisions with no without looking at the nuance, you're making some bad fucking decisions in your life. I can almost guarantee it. Um, like death, death and destruction is death and destruction, right? No matter where it comes from. And sometimes trying to prevent some deaths has an adverse side effect that can cause deaths in different ways. It's always important to... Um, and to have these discussions, to be will, to be able, this is part of that First Amendment, right? The right to assemble, the right to free speech. Why do you have that? It's so that it's so that these kind of ideas can be discussed in the public square without scrutiny. That's the whole point. Is we need to be able to get together and say, hey, wait a second here now. Is this being too extreme? Is our government being too extreme? Like, where's our choice on this? Like, maybe. You know, why are we only looking at one thing and not the other? And why do we have, and then why are we being ridiculed for wanting to talk about both things? Mental health is a big issue in this country, guys. And if you don't think 22 million new unemployed and and millions of small businesses going going to be going under in the, in the in the very near future, you don't think that has an effect on mental health and people's real lives? This is going to affect us for decades, guys. Decades. Decades. I'm not being hyperbolic here. Decades. And it's time we just, we have an honest discussion about where we see this country going, how we see it going, how we're going to be ruled. Are we going to be ruled at all? You know, Bastiat, he did, he he wrote about the importance to, uh, to look at everything that is seen and unseen. And... It's important as ever in 2020 coronavirus days to fucking do that, to, to look at what's seen and then also look at what's unseen. And the unseen right now is the consequences of 22 million people dead, uh, uh, unemployed, what that's going to do to the country financially, humans' lives, the divorce rate, um, children being raised, how they're going to be raised, people getting, um, um, people getting addicted to drugs and alcohol. Domestic abuse. It's real. It's all real shit, guys. So do you not care about that? Do you only care about coronavirus? Can you only care about that? Or or what's that saying that everyone likes to use? We can uh we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Well fucking prove it then. Because I don't see anybody walking and chewing gum at the same time. I see you guys all either walking or chewing gum. I don't see none I don't see anybody fucking there's only a handful of few. And it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging. Um, it's just getting super snitchy too in the streets. Super snitchy. Holy shit. And I got a fucking, 
I got an episode coming on that. Don't worry. That's coming next week. Um, these fucking Karens and Brads, man, they running amok up in society, boy. Uh, can't, these fuckers can't wait to call the fucking popo on their neighbor, dude, innit? And I don't think, uh, I don't think these fucking jokers, I don't think y'all understand the fucking history, right? And, and how, and how well that, uh, that practice kind of turned out for people. Cause you know, that happened and we'll talk about that in another episode, you know, what societies those were in, but let me give you a hint. It ended pretty bloody. Ended pretty bloody. And it was the government killing the people. What? No. Government's benevolent. They would never kill anybody. No. Come on. I mean, where are you living in? It was only like, what, 1950? You know, the 1940s when we had, uh, when we were rounding up Japanese and putting them in fucking camps? Yeah. That's fucking recent history. Don't act like this shit's unfathomable. Oh my God, I can't even fathom it happening. Your fucking grandparents lived through that shit, bro. Fuck out of here, dude. You guys are so lost on history. Um, we got some new news coming out of China. You know? And don't get, no, don't get all conspiracy theorists on me, guys. But um, it seems like multiple sources are now coming out saying that actually that uh, that it started in, a, in that lab. Now that lab is a, and I'm just spitballing here, and I didn't pull it up. Um, and, and I haven't really dug real too deep into that story yet, but, um, it's a level four lab apparently like bio lab. So that's like the top, that's like the top level you can get for security wise for like what you can handle. Um, and apparently they had a, uh, in, was it 2018? I think the U S went there and looked at it and they came back and were like, Hey man, this lab is kind of sketchy. Like they're not, um, they probably shouldn't be a level four. Maybe they're kind of doing some things that could lead to a pandemic and they were dealing with this bat and this corona and coronavirus not now they didn't say specifically COVID-19 but definitely a strain of coronavirus and the idea was that they wanted to be on like they wanted to show the world that they could fucking handle um, a virus like the U.S. you know it was a posturing thing it's what it's what the communist countries like to do they posture for their people like look how look we can do the same things these other countries can do um, because the reality is it comes from a certain bat and I don't have the, the name of the bat offhand but um, that bat technically isn't in that wet market where they're claiming that this came from. So the epidemiologists, they have actually traced this thing back. And, um, cause there's not bats sold that this particular bat's not sold. It's like, like 40 miles away or something crazy like that. Um, so it, apparently it was given to a scientist. Oh, well, I think I want to see as a woman scientist, or maybe it was a, a boy, but I don't care. I don't remember the the dynamic in that transaction, but it was either or. Um, and then they gave it to their boyfriend slash girlfriend and that person went to the wet market and transmitted it, something along those lines. But the bat and or now they're saying today, I think I saw like some kind of anteater possibly even, um, which also throws a whole mo- like monkey wrench into the whole um, not transmittable from an animal, right? Because obviously if that's if that story's correct, and like they say, they're saying multiple sources now. Natural though, that's where their conspiracy theory is. Not a bio, not biological. They didn't when they looked at the genomes on this virus. It's naturally occurring, so it doesn't it doesn't look like that it was made biological. So they don't think this was biological warfare at all. They were literally just doing tests. You know, we and, and this happens all over the world, um, where you we test fucking viruses and shit. Um, but. So that's where we're at there. So that that's a that's a new developing story, and I think there's going to be some very hard if that's proven correct. Now I don't want to jump ahead because I don't trust my government. I don't trust my government when they try to tell me something that was um, somebody else's fault. 
you know, are they trying to propagandize us into some kind of war here with China? Like, what's the um, what's the end game here? Is what I want to know before I make any harsh decisions here, um, because the reality is, people are not your government, right? So if we want to blame the Chinese government, fine. I got no problem with that. We should blame the Chinese government, but we can't blame the Chinese people. And that's a real misconception we have a lot of times in society is we want to blame, um, we, we look at the government as the people, right? That if the government does something bad to somebody overseas or, or even in their own country, that it's the people, you know, that, that we need to fight the people. It's not the people. Chinese people are, are more oppressed than, than a, a good portion of, of this world. And, and it's, um, and they're just coming out of poverty, guys. You know, they they um, they lived through Mao's China. It, it's only been since like the '70s or '80s that they have come. They've they've come. We that they've um, brought like a billion people out of poverty. They were living on very, they were a very oppressed people. Um, so you know that's and that's another thing. Like when people are like, oh, I can't believe they they eat these animals and stuff. These wet markets. It's like you have to understand perspective. And where these people are at in the timeline of their um, evolution, like the reality is, like when you want to talk about the, because that's another thing we're doing is we're talking about like um, not funding the WHO anymore, the World Health Organization. So we pay about four hundred to five hundred million dollars a year into this uh, into this organization, and then and then we're with a bunch of other countries, almost all like a ton of countries pay into this, but we pay by far the the, the most amount. And China only pay, and Bill Gates technically, which is weird is the second biggest donor. So not another country, Bill Gates. It's just weird. Um, but China only pays about 60, 70 million, somewhere in that range. It might even be 80. I'm not real sure where they're at. And the reason why is because they are considered in the world a developing country. Now think about that. When you look at China, where we get most of our shit from, would you think of China as a developing country? Absolutely not. But the reality is they are. They're a developing country because they come from such poverty. They have not been out of poverty for very long. So you have to look at it in historical perspective. Just because we're at a certain point don't mean the rest of the world's at a certain point. Um, and we'll talk about that too. That's that Kurskopf, um, um, uh curve, um, the, Kus- the Kusnitz curve. Um, the only people that can afford to go green, guys, are rich co- countries. Poor countries can't afford to go green. They're just coming into fossil fuels. Fossil fuels has, it's because it's the cheapest. It's the only thing that they can afford. And it's literally lifting these people out of poverty. So we're trying to look at the rest of the world as like, hey, they need to be on our level. And all we're going to do is make people poorer. We're going to put people back into the Stone Age. Do you not understand that? Like when we try to take all these draconian measures and we want the rest of the world to follow suit, they can't. There's no possible way. Some of these countries haven't even had this this breakthrough. We're, I mean, we're still bringing running water guys to places. Like the 2020 world is not. You make thirty thousand dollars a year, you are a one percent earner of the world. The world, you're in the top one percent of the world. Thirty k, that ain't shit. That's fucking poverty here, almost guys. Come on, you have perspective is real. It's nuance. It's important when we're talking about these discussions. Um, so that took way longer than I expected. Um, to, I guess what today, actually what we're talking about is, uh, and this was supposed to be a real short episode. It's probably still going to end up being decently short. Um, but Sunday was the um, 75th anniversary of the death of Franklin Roosevelt. You may know him as FDR. Oh, excuse me. Um, he's the only president. Oh, man, excuse me. Again, got that burps. 
It's all that spaghetti I've been eating. I've been eating lots of spaghetti, guys, in this uh, quarantine. Um, he's the only he's the only president to ever serve more than two terms. Now he got elected four times actually. Um, I think he died. He died in office like a year. I think a year after that last win, and he uh, Harry S. Truman took his place. Uh, so I have a completely different take on FDR than what the majority of people share. Um, in what I like to consider like 2020 history illiterate America. And we live in this completely um, revisionist type society. Um, now, now Roosevelt was saintly, um, sainted by the media even before he died in 1945. I mean, CNN just last week, tr- uh, he trumpeted FDR as, um, quote, the wartime president who Trump should learn from. Okay. Now, I, ho- I hope not. Now, I don't think Trump's doing a great job here. I think he's he's doing all right. He's doing all right. I mean, everyone's just doing all right. They're doing horrible fucking fiscal policy right now. I think it's devastating. We're never gonna probably never gonna recover from this. Um, fractional reserve banking just went out the window. It's got worse. And I'm gonna explain that a little better. I explained it a little weird way just to try to make it sound better. We'll go over like the real fractional reserve banking here shortly as well. Um but, um, so I don't want him, you know, I don't want him. And I think FDR was horrible. Let me just put that out there. So I don't want, I don't want, uh, Trump to be like fucking FDR, learn from FDR. I think we need to do the exact opposite. Um, and in a 2019 survey, survey actually of, um, historians, historians, right? This is what scares me the most. Um, they ranked FDR as the third greatest president. Now, President George H.W. Bush, he praised him for having brilliantly enunciated the 20th century vision of our finding fathers, commitment to individual liberty, which is kind of a joke because even though Roosevelt did often invoke freedom, um, it was almost always as a pretext to increase government power. Um, FDR actually proclaimed in 1933... This is this is fucking so crazy to me. So President George H.W. Bush said he was the 20th century vision for our founding fathers committed to individual liberty. When Roosevelt himself in 1933 proclaimed, quote, we have all suffered in the past from individualism run wild. Individualism is, guys, fucking um, individual liberty. That's what that is. He naturally... The corrective was to allow government to run wild, apparently, to FDR. He um, declared in his first inaugural address, quote, We now realize that if we are to go forward, we must move as a trained and loyal army willing to sacrifice for the good of the common discipline, because without such discipline, no progress is made. No leadership can become effective. Think about that. The military metaphors, which practically called for the entire populace to march in lockstep, were similar to the fucking rhetoric used by European dictators at that time. You know, you know who those guys were? Stalin and fucking Hitler. And FDR is out here. So so we got George W. Bush declaring he's this brilliant 20th century vision of our finding fathers committed to individual liberal uh, liberty and Roosevelt is himself saying 
we have all suffered from fucking individual liberty. And we now realize that if we're going to go forward with this country, we must move as a trained and loyal army willing to sacrifice for the good of the common discipline. Because without such discipline, no progress is made. No leadership can become effective. So you need to sacrifice for your leadership. Do you hear that? We can't have effective leadership if you don't sacrifice and just become a talking piece for this country. I pledge allegiance to the flag type of shit, right? Now, some people may say, you don't, you don't love America. What do you mean you don't want to pledge, pledge allegiance to the flag? I, I pledge allegiance to this flag. I got no problem. My issue is I don't have to follow the fucking Constitution. I never signed the Constitution. And in fact, if you read the Federalist Papers, they were, <laughs> they always want, they wanted, um, many of the founding founding fathers actually wanted laws to have a, um, a statute of limitations, right? Like a, uh, I can't, I'm blanking right now on what they actually call this, um, a sunset date is what they call it in political terms, right? Where it hits a certain date and the law comes and it has to be renewed. So you, then you have to, because think about it, guys. So, in, so what laws, so what laws that are written in fucking 1700s did you, did you vote for? If this is a democracy and you get to vote for your rights, what laws did you vote for in, in 1770? Not none of them, right? We should all be taking it, um, as these, you know, as time progresses and people progress, we should be able to relook at these laws. They shouldn't just be forever, forever. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? It's fucking stupid. I didn't, I didn't agree to these laws. I wasn't representative. Isn't that, isn't that what the Constitution is supposed to say? I'm supposed to have a representative government of the laws I want. Well, who's representing me? I didn't, no one was representing me in 1700s. And then, but the pro, but the, but then the problem is, is if we're going to believe that we live in this fucking makeshift system, this fairy tale system of a constitutional republic. Well, then there is a person who who agrees to live by this constitution, and that's our representatives, and that's our president, and that and that's the people we elect to this government. They do swear an oath, and the and the and the judges and shit. They do swear an oath to these laws, to these constitutions. So if we're gonna pretend that we're fucking living by this this piece of paper and this document, then we should at least hold these politicians to this document, correct? Otherwise, this is just fucking. This is just silly games, guys, and you got no control over nothing. This is all silly games. You ain't controlling shit. What's your vote doing? Your vote don't mean nothing. Nothing. They're going to do anything they want anyway. That New Jersey, like we talked about a minute ago, was that, was that New Jersey? He, I was like, I didn't even, but my pay grade, I don't know what the fucking constitution says. I didn't even, I didn't even, I'm telling you right now, the bill of rights, those rights that the constitution gives you, your freedoms, I didn't even take that in consideration when I was telling you, you can't do shit. That's how fucking draconian and authoritarian this government is getting. And the people, the Karens and the Brads of the world are giving them the right to do it because you're championing it. You're telling them, hey, this is fine. You're not going to get no pushback from us. Because the only way they can, they're going to stop this fucking actions is if they get some pushback from people. Now, Roosevelt declared in his uh, 1934 fireside chat, quote, I am not for the return of the definition of liberty under which... For many years, a free people were being gradually regimented into the service of the privileged few. Now, politicians like FDR, he began by telling people that um, control of their, their own lives was just a mirage, right? And that they would lose nothing when government just took over. In his renomination acceptance speech 
at the 1936 Democratic Party convention, he declared that the privileged princes of the of the of these new economic dynasties created a new despotism. The hours men and women worked, the wages they received, the conditions of their labor, um, these have been passed beyond the control of the people and were imposed by this new industrial dictatorship. But it's ironic because if that was the case, um, if wages were completely dictated by this quote, what he considered this industrial dictatorship, then why were pay rates higher in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world? And why have pay raise, um, rates increased rapidly in the decades um, before 1929, before FDR? Now, FDR never considered limiting government intervention to safeguarding individual choice. Instead, he just multiplied this whole government knows best to dictate work hours, wages, and contracts. On January 6, 1941, Roosevelt gave his famous For Freedom speech, which promising, uh, <laughs> which promises citizens freedom to speech, freedom of worship, which is funny, right? And then he got creative because we all know freedom of speech, freedom of worship. That's right there in the beginning, right? But then he gets creative and he starts putting his own in there like a fucking true king would, right? The third freedom is freedom from want everywhere in the world. Think about that statement. You now have a freedom from want. You don't have to want for anything. Government will provide for you. This is the whole the, this changed the whole world, guys. FDR changed the world, changed America. Um he went, you know, he was trying to be like fucking he was trying to be reality is, and we'll talk about this in, in later episodes. He was trying to be Hitler and Stalin. Ooh, you don't even realize how fascist American policies are. Um, and it all started here. Um, now, now, this for, the fourth freedom <laughs> was freedom from fear anywhere in the world. Proclaiming a goal of freedom from fear meant that the government henceforth must fill the role in daily life previously filled by God and religion. Now, FDR's list was clearly intended as a replacement set of freedoms. Otherwise, there would have been no reason to mention freedom of speech and worship, which was already granted by the First Amendment. Right? So he, pre- he, 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 pre- he prefaced it. He's like, now listen, guys. We got four freedoms. That's what he called this speech. Four freedoms. We got four freedoms in America. Now we all know we got freedom of we got freedom of speech. America's like, yeah, of course we do. You got freedom of worship, and they're like, yeah, of course we do. And then he's like, yeah, and you know what else you got? You got freedom from want. And not only in America, anywhere in the world. You go to Germany, don't want. You go to Italy, don't worry. You shouldn't have to want anything. Go to China, don't have to worry. Anywhere in the world, sub-Saharan Africa, no worries. You got no want. And what was the fourth? Freedom of fear. Freedom of fear. Fear and want. Now, he did. He was trying to replace God and religion. Now, I've been talking a long time about how, not, and, 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 and I look at this from a good point because I'm not Christian, right? So I don't believe in God. I'm agnostic. I believe you know, agnostic's not atheist. I don't believe that there could not be a God. 
I'm just saying there's no scientific proof that says there's a God, and there's really no point of saying which one's right. There's thousands of religions in reality, and Christianity is not even the most popular, um, if we're going to be real about it. And it's not even the oldest either. Um, but people, the, 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 there have been certain politicians who want to have the state be regarded as your God. And as Christianity has been falling away, they've seized that opportunity to say, you know, ah, oh, those stupid Christians, like they believe this other moral authority. And there's a real reason why. It's because Christians... And then I get this, I can speak from this because I'm not a Christian, right? So you can't say, oh, you're saying this because you're a Christian. No, but see, Christians don't listen to you. You can't tell a Christian that he can't do something. You know why? Because you're not his authority. His authority is God. He lives by his own moral codes. So the government's not his end-all, be-all. But people have a, a need to worship. We want to worship something. We're, we're, just, our, we're just built like that. It's in our DNA. You know, we've been worshiping shit since we fucking could, could look up in the sky right? Worshiping sun, nature, and all this shit. We've been worshiping things forever. And so they, they seize that moment and they're like, well, we can give you something else to worship. You can worship us. And you see that because they start calling themselves sacred. Like this, you see all these politicians, like we got um, the, 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 the sacredity of the presidency. The fuck does that even mean? That's religious. That's religious talk, guys. When, they, when someone starts saying that kind of shit, you know right away that what their motives are. No, no, no. They want you to fucking worship them. And so these government positions have gotten into their head that they are some kind of figure to be worshipped, that they're a king, that they're the elite, they're the nobles of society. You ain't dick, you work for us, you the employee, bruh. I'm the fucking king. I'm the fucking guy in charge, along with my neighbor and the dude next to me. So you can go suck my dick, you're nothing to me. And that's how we need to act, and that's how it's supposed to be. Um. So, so the, But that's what he wanted to do, so he was given this it started right here. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to replace God and religion with government. Walk, walk is one, one person, one robotic voice in the, um, in the good of the country, right? Fuck your individual liberties and your individual wants, even though we're going to guarantee all your wants are, are, are given to you, to you as long as you obey us, right? That's the caveat, right? Um, now, Roosevelt's new freedoms, it liberated government while making a pretense of liberating the citizens, right? You see what he did there. He acted like he was liberating citizens. What he was really doing was liberate, liberating government because government was very limited at that time. That's the whole point of the Constitution. It wasn't the grant. The Constitution does not grant your government powers to do shit. It limits their powers. It gives them a stop. Like This is as far as you can go. Full stop. It's a legal code in reality. Um, now, FDR's list, it offered citizens no security from the state, right? Think about that one. That's funny. It didn't tell you can't be arrested, can't go to war, can't have a draft. You know, it's just, just, just security, but no, not from the state since it completely ignored the rights guaranteed by the Second Amendment to keep and bear firearms, right? The Fourth Amendment which is freedom uh, from unreasonable search and seizure, the Fifth Amendment, which is due process, property rights, the right against um, self-incrimination. How about the Sixth Amendment? You know, the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury, which, by the way, we have uh, suspended 
If you didn't know that, we've, we have suspended the Sixth Amendment in America during this crisis in a lot of states, which means if you get arrested, they can hold you indefinitely without giving you a trial. Yeah. Yeah, we're not fascist. Um, so you, you have no right to a speedy trial now. Yeah, we'll just hold you indefinitely. Um, or how about the Eighth Amendment? Protection against excessive bail, excessive fines, and cruel and unusual punishment. We're seeing a lot of that today. So he, so he tells you your four rights are freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from fear, and freedom from want. But he just leaves out all these other amendments, the Second Amendment, okay, all the shit that that's, pertains to the government, firearms, the Fourth Amendment, freedom to not be searched and seized by your government, your property, the Fifth Amendment, that you got due pro- process, that, they're gonna, that you have the right to be innocent until proven guilty. You have property rights. You have the rights to um, of self-incrimination. I don't have to incriminate myself in court. The Sixth Amendment, the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. Protection against excessive bail, fines, cruel and unusual punishment. Now, nah, we're just going to leave all those out. Those aren't the freedoms we want to fucking have anymore, guys. That's not the way we want to go with society. We want government to take care of it. Government's the only one. Now, FDR um, perennially glorified government as this great liberator of the common man. In a 1936 message to Congress, he denounced his critics. Quote, they realized that in 34 months we have built up a new instruments of public power. That's government, guys. Public power is government. In the hands of the people's government, the people's government, right? This power is wholesome and proper. But in the hands of political puppets of an economic uh, autocracy, such power would provoke shackles for the liberties of the people, end quote. So because FDR proclaimed that the federal government was the people's government, then good citizens really had no excuse for fearing an increase in government power, right? Because they're good. They're just here for the good. Government never does anything bad. The question of liberty became totally divorced from the amount of government power and instead depended solely on politicians' intent toward the governed, us. The mere fact that the power was in the hands of benevolent politicians was the only safeguard needed. So you have to ask yourself, guys, If you and I say this all the time to people, and it's the best got you. If you really believe this, that people are bad, inherently bad, greedy, and evil. And if they run a business, they're even more inherently greedy and evil. So what are these people that own? Who owns businesses? People. You elect these same people to government and then act like they can't be greedy or evil because they're in government. The most narcissistic in our society run for government, just in case you were aware. The worst of the worst. The most narcissistic people. The the people that think they... Think about how narcissistic you have to be to become president. To think that you and you alone know what's best for 365 million people. And then you and a group of 100 other people know what's best for 360 million people. You You don't think there's any narcissism in that? There's no like weird power trip that can become to that, right? 
come on guy nuance it's the name of this uh it's not the name of this episode but it's the um uh it's the theme that's the word i was looking for now um roosevelt sometimes practically portrayed the state as a god and this is i'm not being hyperbolic in 1936 a speech at the democratic national convention he declared quote in the place of the palace of privilege we seek to build a temple out of faith and hope and charity, end quote. Remember what I said? You start using these fucking religious terms, that's really what you're going for? Think about that. Let me read that again. In the place of the palace, kings live in palaces, of privilege, we seek to build a temple out of faith and hope and charity. End quote. In uh, 1937, he um, he assured listeners in practically Orwellian terms, "quote This one, this one's the best one. This might be one of the best ones." Excuse, excuse me. "Quote Your government knows your mind, and you know your government's mind. Think about that. The government knows your mind. The government knows exactly what you're thinking, and you." Of course, you know what your government's thinking. You always know what your government's doing, right? That's why we need all those fucking FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act, right? Because the government doesn't hide shit from us. They don't classify shit all the time. What the fuck kind of weird shit is that? That's Orwellian as fuck, guys. You don't, you don't see... This is the third greatest president of our time, guys. Okay. Your government knows your mind, and you know your government's mind. Fuck out of here, dude. Now, for Roosevelt, faith in the state was simply faith in his own wisdom and benevolence. Do you guys not understand? Do you guys, do you guys see this, right? Roosevelt's concept of the state is important because he radically expanded the federal government. And most of his programs he created, they still survive to this day. Now, FDR declared in 1938, quote, Let us never forget that government is ourselves and not an alien power over us. The ultimate rulers of our democracy are not a president and senators and congressmen and government officials, but they are the voters of this country. Now, did Japanese Americans round themselves up from them concentration camps in 1942 or what? Did people who owned the fucking gold that FDR forcibly confiscated in 1933, did they secretly will that um, that they be stripped of any of uh, defense against the inflation of uh, FDRs intentionally uh, ignited? Do you get what I just said right there, guys? So in 1937 and 38, he said, quote, let us never forget that government is ourselves and not an alien power over us. It's not some weird power over you. It's us. It's you. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, in Nazi Germany, Hitler was democratically elected. I'm sure those people don't think it was them killing, that it was them killing themselves in concentration camps, right? And he said also, so in that same quote, they're not alien power over us. The ultimate rulers of our democracy are not a president and senators or the Congress and government officials, but the voters of this country. And then he turns around to to the voters of this country who didn't vote on this. Japanese Americans started rounding them up, put them in, put them in concentration camps. Entrenchment camps in 1942. Did those Japanese Americans round themselves up? I mean, it's it's themselves. 
they voted for this government, so it must be them doing it to themselves. Did the people who owned all the gold, um, you guys realize that, you know, you weren't, it was against the law to own gold in 1933 after Yar came and forcibly confiscated it from your grandparents, your great grandparents. What was that? Was that their will that stripped them of any real money, any real monetary system against the, infl- uh, the inflation of money that FDR intentionally ignited? Now his his perpetual deceits on domestic policy are grudgingly recognized by some scholars, but his brazen lying on foreign policy has not received its due. In 1940. In one of his final speeches at the presidential campaign, Roosevelt assured uh, voters, quote, your president says this country is not going to war, end quote. But FDR was working around the clock to pull the United States into World War II. Once the U.S. was engaged in fighting both Germany and Japan, FDR was determined to demand unconditional surrender from both nations. Now, that demand was severely undercut um, German uh, generals who were reaching out to strike a deal with the Allies that would have toppled Hitler much earlier than uh, April 1945. Thomas Fleming's The New New Dealer's War, it vividly explains how FDR's war demands perpetuated the fighting and cost the lives of far more Americans, Germans, and others. Two months before he died, FDR met Stalin and Churchill for the infamous Yalta Conference. Now, Roosevelt had previously praised Soviet Russia as one of the, quote, freedom-loving nations and stressed that Stalin is, quote, uh, thoroughly conversant with the provisions of our Constitution. Do you know who fucking Stalin was? We talked about Stalin last. Um, 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 Keynesian, uh, uh, um, Keynes, he loved him. John Maynard Keynes. That system we're under right now, economic. He loved fucking Stalin too. And here's our president at the same time frame when we're implementing a lot of these fucking policies, guys, that changed America forever. Okay, the New Deal. Changed the direction of this country. And we'll talk about the New Deal more in depth some other time. But he met with Stalin and Churchill. And he praised Russia as a freedom-loving Nation. Stalin murdered millions of his own people and starved them to death. For the collective will of the people. Because some people's deaths are better than others. Which is kind of how we started this whole thing, right? Is it is it really? Is one person's death better than another's? Is one way of dying better than another? Is one cause of death better than another? Or are they all the same? Are you still killing people? And that Stalin was thoroughly uh, conversant with the provisions of our Constitution. Sure he was. Sure he was. Now, FDR agreed with Stalin at Yalta to move the border of Soviet Union far to the west, which thereby effectively conscripting 11 million Poles into Soviet citizenship. So he allowed Stalin to literally move his borders way west, and then conscripted 11 million Polish people to become Soviet citizenships. Yeah, we don't force... We love freedom. We're talking about 
I'm going to force people to do anything here. Poland was then compensated, guys, with a huge swath of Germany. So they gave him some land, you know, in Germany. Here, you can go here. Uh, you know, it's, uh, this was a, a simple cardiographic change that, you know, spurred some vast human carnage. As uh, author R.M. Douglas noted in his 2012 book, Orderly and Humane, The Expulsion of the Germans After the Second World War, the result was, quote, the largest episode of forced migration in human history. Between 12 million and 14 million German-speaking uh, civilians, the overwhelming majority of whom were women, old people, and children under 16 were forcibly ejected from their places of birth in Czechoslovakia, Hungary, uh, Hungary, Romania, Yugoslavia, and what are today the western districts of Poland. At least half a million died as a result, 500,000 people. Now, George Orwell denounced this relocation as a, quote, enormous crime that was equivalent to the transplanting the uh, was equivalent to transplanting the entire population of Australia. Philosopher uh, um, Bertrand Russell, he protested, quote, are mass deportations crimes when committed by our enemies during war and justifiable measures of social adjustment when carried out by our allies in time of peace? And that's a great question because that's what happened. Now, in a private conversation at Yalta, FDR assured Stalin that he was feeling, quote, more bloodthirsty. <laughs> this is our president. More bloodthirsty, and that's a direct quote, uh, than, when, than when they'd uh, previously met. Immediately after this Yalta uh, conference concluded, the British and American uh, Air Forces turned Dresden into an inferno, killing up to 50,000 civilians. Not government officials. You're not fighting a war against government officials. You're fighting the civilians somehow. And that's who's dying in these wars. 50,000 of these people who never wanted this. Murdered. Murdered. The Associated Press reported that, quote, um, Allied air bosses had engaged in the deliberate terror bombing of great German population centers as a ruthless expedient to hasten Hitler's doom. Ravaging uh, Dresden was intended to, quote, aid immersively to FDR strengthen negotiations uh, in negotiating with the Russians at the post-war peace table, as historian, uh, historian Thomas Fledding noted. So basically what he was saying was that, that what he was doing was Germany, because if, if you don't know the history, Stalin and uh, Hitler were, became enemies. They originally were kind of friends, friendly, helping each other a little bit, and then kind of turned on each other. It was really one of the things that um, probably was one of Hitler's worst decisions was sending his troops through... Um, through the Siberian fucking um, <laughs> wilderness in the middle of winter, and they just, you know, those people, I mean, you're walking through the Siberian fucking, in a Siberian winter, good luck, right? They froze to death. They had no food. They couldn't, it was just the dumbest thing, probably, he, he, it was probably his worst decision, along with telling Japan to uh, hit Pearl Harbor. Um, that was probably another, another one of the biggest mistakes, obviously. But really, what so what happened here was um, FDR and, and he said, okay, we'll, we'll bomb this place in Germany for you. Kill 50,000 civilians. Um, as just like 
some strength so when we negotiate peace later on at the at the peace table, I have a better step for you. Like I I've done something for you. Now you can give me something. You know, what do we call that in twenty in twenty twenty or nine it was two thousand nineteen, I guess, quid pro quo. Think about that quid pro quo. You know, fifty thousand civilians murdered, no big deal. Almost all tributes to FDR this month have omitted his dictatorial tendencies or his bloodthirsty warring. It is, you know, we just forget about it. There were good reasons why uh, Frederick Hayek labeled him as the greatest of modern demigods. The canonization of Franklin Roosevelt is a reminder um, to Americans, definitely right now in 2020, to just be aware. Just be aware of any lessons of history, which is touted by an establishment media that is uh, vested in this perpetuation of uh, Leviathan and all its prerogatives that go with it. Now, uh, uh, Leviathan is a biblical sea monster for all you fucking novices, okay? Um, all right, you fucking savage, savages, you fucking savages, you corona-surviving savages. Um, got a bunch of new shit coming your way, guys, in the near future. We're going to get through this thing, the, this thing together, this virus together as one. We're going to come out on the other end a better version of ourselves. I'm going to make you better. You're going to make me better. You're going to teach me something. I'm going to teach you something, hopefully. Um, I'm, 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 gonna leave, I'm not only going to leave you with the normal song like we do to end these, uh, these episodes. And that song, by the way, that's, uh, it's featuring uh, a group called uh, Gangster Grass. And that's not the weed. You know, that's the name of the group, Gangster Grass. Look them up pretty good. Um, I just found them, you know, not that long ago. I've only listened to about five songs, but they, the songs that I've heard are good. Um, but before we do that song, I'm going to leave you with like the seven minute clip of Milton Freeman. He's asked, he's, he's asked a question and he answers it. It's like really good. Um, we'll call it your, your weekly seven minutes of education. If you will, we're gonna start doing these at the end of some of these episodes, about once a week, maybe once every other week, like a clip of, of, of a lecture, short, short thing that explains something that's very important or irrelevant. Right. Um, because I just want everyone to learn, guys. And sometimes I don't, you know, I'm a novice. You know, I ain't no fucking professional. I ain't no fucking Milton Freeman. So I can't explain shit as good as these people do. So uh, sometimes I just want to, like, let you hear something yourself. Make up your own mind on it. Because uh, it's always better to hear other people. Um, so with that, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned for the content. Tell your friends. Share the episode. Speak the truth. Promote liberty. Buck the establishment and don't kiss your mother, ladies and gentlemen, and gender neutrals. Here's Milton Freeman. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Friedman, is there an economic system now or historically that has allowed free enterprise alone to determine which direction the economy goes? And well, secondly, the- I have a three-part question. Okay, fine. <laughs> secondly, in economics, you have resources. And... How to best use these resources is a value judgment, but it seems to me you can have either free enterprise decide or government decide or some combination. And don't you think combination would be the best alternative? And thirdly, if I can remember it, isn't there some benefit to having the government steal our money, which is what they do effectively. They'll hold a gun to our head and say, pay us 40 percent of your income or go to jail. They take this money and they give it mostly to government employees. Well, the government employees spend it. The marginal propensity to consume is pretty high. So the people who were robbed have to do something creative to get the money back. 
And isn't this creative activity the real wealth? Well, I take it that they would have to be still more creative if 98% were being spent by the government. <laughs> no, the third part of your thing is just pure fallacy from beginning to end. <laughs> because if those people who are now government employees were employed in creative activity and productive activity, they would also be spending their money. And we'd have a greater total around. All you're doing, let's suppose for a moment, take the extreme case that that 40% is being used just to have people uh, uh, sit around. The fact that they spend their money doesn't alter the situation. The only product there is is what the 60% produce. And that 60% is divided among the 100%. If those 40% are also producing goods, then there are more goods to go around among everybody. You are just involved in a fallacy of looking at dollars, which is important sometimes, instead of looking at the real product, the goods and services that people produce and people consume. Spending isn't good, what's good is producing. What we want to have is more goods and services. And as I say, the obvious indication that that's clear is that if your logic were right, it would apply it for 50%, 60%, 70, 90, 98, 100%. And obviously you would see that that would be a bunch of nonsense at that stage. It is desirable to have some money spent by government for those things, those services, that we believe we can get more usefully and more effectively through government. If people are getting their money's worth, fine. That's why it's very desirable to have governmental expenditures take place at as local a level as possible. Because you, as a citizen of a small community, can judge whether you're getting your money's worth. You can decide that you want to spend it. But when it comes to the federal government, you tend to think that you're spending somebody else's money. And you are, in a way but he's spending yours. <laughs> All right, now let me go back to, uh, to the first two items. Is there any example of a society in which the fundamental determination of the direction of activity was determined by free enterprise, by free competition? Of course, most of history, most of societies today. The government does have 40% of our income that it spends, but it wastes half of it. So that as a matter of effective matter, 80% of our resources are being determined by free enterprise now. And if I go back to the whole period of the 19th century, to the whole period of the great growth of the U.S., to Britain in the 19th century, the period when Britain emerged as a leader of the nation, at the height of Britain's power as a leading nation in the world, at the time of Queen Victoria's silver, uh, jubilee in 1899, I think it was, or something, celebrating the 50th anniversary, the golden jubilee of her reign, when Britain, when, the, when the Britain ruled the waves and had an empire on which the sun never set, total government spending in Britain was 10% of the national income. So of course there have been many examples over time at which free enterprises dominated and predominantly been the major source of determination. Today it's true in Hong Kong and Taiwan, in many countries around the world. All right, now your second question is, does not the allocation of resources involve value judgments and isn't it better to have that value judgment shared by government and the people? Who is government? What's government? Is that something other than you and me? Is that something that us operating through a different mechanism? Who can make value judgments? Only people. 
Resources don't make value judgments. Governments don't make value judgments. People make value judgments. And the question is, what is the most effective way in which we as people can jointly, cooperatively express our values? No, we express some of them individually in the family at home, separately, people, you and I alone. We express some of them by doing things for ourselves. We express some of them through voluntary groups, Boy Scouts, churches, uh, charitable organizations. We express some of them through cooperation on a broader scale on a free market, through uh, business enterprises that serve as intermediaries between people selling their productive services, producing products, and selling the product. We express some of our values through doing things through government. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, provided we keep in control and don't let the government become the master instead of the servant. And the real problem is, in my opinion, that as we move from the local community to the state, from the state to the federal government, it becomes increasingly difficult for us to control the mechanism we have established. And that mechanism tends to control us. That was the great wisdom of the founding fathers of this country, of the people who wrote the Constitution. That Constitution was designed to limit government's powers in order to preserve the freedom of the individuals. And what has happened in the past 50 years is that the fundamental character of the Constitution has really been changed. We have broadened enormously the conception of what is a governmental power and what is not, and have departed from that limited government until we have created a Frankenstein, an unlimited government that threatens to destroy us. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion. Your cash ain't gonna help you if you ain't quick on the trigger. Your name is big, but my pull is bigger. I go hard. I go hard. When the chips are down, when the chips are down, you won't see me coming. You won't see him by the time you turn around. Your whole crew is running. I go hard. Times I spark rhymes since the dawn of time. Didn't have pencils, I chiseled it hard. My rhymes, my equals hard to find like nickels at the march of dimes. We live in darker times, I never had the heart to crime. You're trying to find a line to get it in rhyme. I'm contending my dominion over the space-time continuum. Your solid as a pitch, I'm the pendulum swinging over it. Radioactive tongue, I use the microphone to focus it. Capable of releasing bolts of lyrical energy. Mentally, I can alter my molecular density. Shifting biochemistry, changing atomic structures. Superpowered rhyme styles attack the lackluster. The cross made of fruit. Data, man of real to real, telepathic bond shared with the wheels of steel, turntables responding to the prodding of the godlike human innovation passed on to my offspring. Cash ain't gonna help you if you ain't quick on the trigger. Your name is big, but my pull is bigger. I go hard. I go, I go, I go, I go hard. Down. You won't see me coming. You won't see him. By the time you turn around, 
Your whole crew is running. I go hard. I go. I go. I go. I go hard. Yeah. Well, since the mic's getting passed, better roll up too. Hold up, who's in mic point and leave them cold in their shoes. Flowing with two individuals practicing mic rituals. This rap thing's habitual, fill it in in your physical. Rock the microphone till the cows come home. Have to surgically remove the rhyme scheme from your dome. Subliminal messages forcing your head to start nodding. Rock flows get rows and rows, heart throbbing. Leave the mic smoking, don't you see those clouds? Remove crowds and one flow shows that we know how. Serving lessons till they handing out diplomas and possessing MCs. Get snatched out of their skin, but just testing. Lyrical labyrinth, metaphysical maze. My as well shave your head, you get lyrically hazed. We in the men of the brave, steady holding it down. I hit the mic like I like, then I pass it around. Come on. Cash ain't gonna help you if you ain't quick on the trigger. Nope. Your name is big, but my pull is bigger. I go hard. I go, I go, I go, I go hard. When the chips are down. Won't see me coming By the time you turn around Your whole crew is running I go Turn around.